You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday after we've kicked off the series in the second round between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Golden State Warriors. Most definitely did not go the Pelicans way in game one. We're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of really break down what happened, what went wrong, and then we'll get into maybe some preview stuff, but that's really going to be in tomorrow's podcast. We're just going to kind of look at game one here, how this happened, what the Pelicans need to do from here, and can they rebound, or are they simply overmatched in this series? That is a valid thing to ask. So we'll cover all that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So prior to tip-off, you were probably feeling pretty good when you heard that Steph Curry was going to be out of this game. Maybe New Orleans can steal game one, and if you're able to do that, you're almost playing with house money in game two, and there's no real pressure there. You just got to win at home, and you know all of a sudden, this is maybe a a closer series than people were predicting. And like the Portland uh, first-round series, all 22 experts over at ESPN picked the Golden State Warriors. Though, to be fair... Again, that's expected, and they're the second seed, they're the home team, what have you. No one picked them in a sweep, which is maybe a win in and of itself in a weird way. But you had to feel pretty good going in without Steph Curry that maybe this Golden State Warriors offensive attack was going to be easier to defend. And for the first quarter, you felt pretty great. New Orleans only down a point after quarter one. And you saw maybe this was going to be a bit more of a struggle, but we saw a blistering pace. These two teams played incredibly high in this game. The pace in the first quarter alone was 112. That is about five more possessions than New Orleans was playing even at their highest of everything. So it goes to show you how fast this was getting at. And this was a fun game to watch. That fast pace led to a lot of defensive lapses, particularly with both of these teams switching. You see teams getting out there and running and then people not exactly sure who they need to cover. That continued for New Orleans basically throughout the game, did not continue for Golden State throughout the game, and that was part of the problem. It was that second quarter where New Orleans was just absolutely horrendous that it it basically was just blown wide open and New Orleans had no answer. The second quarter, 41 points for the Warriors, 21 points for New Orleans. That's 20 right there. That'll do it, and that'll kind of get you done in this game. And once that really happened, New Orleans had no answer. Didn't get any better in the third, with New Orleans only mustering 19 points compared to 27 of Golden State. They had a 31-point lead at one point, and the final score ended up being you know 123-101. And New Orleans didn't get much of anything that they wanted to done in this one. On the night, we knew Anthony Davis was going to have to lead this team, and he finished just 9 of 20, 45% in just 33 and a half minutes because there was no point in playing him in the fourth quarter for 21 points, 10 boards. Okay, kind of pedestrian night for him. And that was that. He was minus 27 while out on the court. Drew Holiday in 31 minutes, 4 of 14, 28.6%. One three made out of four attempts, just 11 points, four assists. That's not good either. Rajon Rondo might have been one of the more bright spots, and I don't even think you could say he played well. 4 of 10 on the night for 9 points, 11 assists, 
did keep the turnovers low. That's a good thing to see. Nikola Mirotic was 3 of 9 for 9 points. 1 of 4 from deep. Wasn't the usual effort and energy we saw out of him. Each one more was the second leading scorer with 15 points in this game um, and 21 minutes played. He was actually great. I don't really have much to complain about Etuan Moore, at least offensively. Defensively, no one was doing anything well. He wasn't a great aspect of that, but I mean, it's, it's hard to just kind of pin this all on him. Your third leading scorer in this game, which is what's kind of crazy, is Jordan Crawford got some garbage minutes, eight, and eight of them exactly, and put up 14 points, and he was your third leading scorer. You know, he had more points than Drew Holiday did in Holiday in 31 minutes, as you can hear my dog in the background, than Ian Clark did. And this team was just largely ineffective on the night. Now, a lot of this has to do with Golden State and what they do, and they were switching on everything. And you saw Kevin Durant all over Drew Holiday and trying to prevent him from getting into the lane. You had a fired-up Draymond Green who came out and did a very good job of defending Anthony Davis, trying to take away those lobs uh, with everything that they when they tried to get him vertical and get him going, and they just weren't able to do it. Um, the Warriors did had a surprise start at small forward of Nick Young. They ran a starting lineup of Iguodala at point guard, Clay Thompson at the two, Nick Young, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. So super small. And by putting another shooter in Nick Young on the court made sure that New Orleans wasn't going to be able to trap. New Orleans wasn't ever going to trap, so I don't know why this was that big of a counterpunch here, let's say, or a chess move. But you put Nick Young out there, meaning there was another shooter on the court that could keep New Orleans spread out defensively, and that was a good move in and of itself, not to avoid traps or anything that people have been talking about. But just to get another shooter out there was an important thing. They've sometimes trotted out lineups that don't have a lot of shooting, makes them easier to defend, that puts some kind of compressed is the court with Nick Young out there you do have the shooting and they did a good job of spreading the court this allowed for a lot of breakdowns defensively for New Orleans a lot of backdoor cuts you saw them where all of a sudden the paint's wide open no one's in there and then all of a sudden there's a bounce pass into the paint or just like kind of a fired touchdown throw right in there and there's a guy right under the uh, basket for a layup Clay Thompson scored on a number of those in game one not exactly what you want to see not exactly a good way for New Orleans to try and defend but Throwing that kind of extra shooter out there does make things a little bit harder for New Orleans. On the night, Kevin Durant had 26 points, was the second leading scorer for them. Uh, it was Clay Thompson with 27 who was the leading scorer. You had Draymond Green put up 16. He had a triple-double in this one. You know, he was quiet-ish in the San Antonio Spurs series in the first round, but he still was almost averaging a triple-double, and he just kind of gives you everything you need out of him. Kevon Looney was big in this one defensively. Sean Livingston kind of feasted to 10 points um, against the New Orleans second unit. There's lineup issues there. Uh, with the height that they can throw out there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But overall, just not a good night for New Orleans. They were out-rebounded 42-57. to They lost the turnover battle. They lost the turnover points battle. They didn't get uh, a lot of fast break points, just 11 for each team. They got 50 points in the paint compared to 48 for Golden State. Second chance points went 9-10 to in favor of Golden State. Basically, just overall, not a great night for New Orleans. You know, they try and go in and do what they want to do, and that plays right into the Warriors' hands. They talked about that after the game, saying, this is what our team wants to do. We want to get out and run, and we're fine with this, even though if Clay, even if Clay Thompson 
Boston was joking a little bit saying, man, that was tiring. This team is a whole lot younger than the Spurs and they don't try and do the same thing, but they thrive in this type of situation. So I don't think it's necessarily any surprise that it was this bad, even without Steph Curry, but New Orleans needs to find a way to attack this team and free up their own guys to get them open. Otherwise, this is going to be a very long series. Don't forget, make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com daily. Make sure you know what's going on with your New Orleans Pelicans. We have roundtables up discussing the playoffs. We'll be covering this series extensively for you as well. So make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com today. So as we said when we were recapping this, things did not go well for New Orleans in this game. And they're going to need to figure that out. And we're going to talk about adjustments and different things tomorrow as I preview game two for you guys on Tuesday night. But let's kind of still look at what happened here in this one. And man, they gave no space to Drew Holiday. Again, you saw Kevin Durant switch on to him. And his length became a real problem and a real deterrent in getting to the rim. Not only did it slow Drew Holiday down one-on-one, it allowed other guys to rotate over and bottle him up. Up. You saw New Orleans attackers on the offensive end hitting a wall of Warriors players two or three at times down below the basket, and that created a big issue. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Anytime he got down low, they had Draymond Green on him and someone rotating over. And it didn't help that he was out there playing in lineups with Solomon Hill, and there were multiple times at the bar we were at with a bunch of the Locked On Pelicans crew where I'm screaming, what is Solomon Hill doing? He's not even standing in the corner. You saw him on the edge of the paint bringing an extra defense into the paint that allowed Anthony Davis just to get swallowed up routinely. Again, Davis in this series is going to need more than 21 points. You're going to need more than 11 from Drew Holiday, and New Orleans needs to figure out a way to get these guys some space and to be able to get them into the paint and into the lane without that threat of that extra or sometimes third defender. And when guys aren't shooting particularly well, and New Orleans doesn't take a huge volume of three-point attempts, and we only hit eight of them, you're not going to scare guys into covering dudes on the perimeter. It's as simple as that. That's why we needed Miritich to be hitting his threes. You needed Holiday to be hitting those threes. And each one more to be taking more than just one three in this game, though he did a good job of off the ball. So again, I'm not really going to fault each one more for much regarding this game or probably what's going to end up happening in this series. Rajon Rondo, you, you've got to find the right lineup combinations with him. I don't know if you can run him out there with Ian Clark. Clark, who shot three for 10 on the night. Rondo, four of 10. You saw backcourts with both of them out there. That's not going to work. Right now, teams are not defending Rajon Rondo in the playoffs. You saw Portland do it where they just dare him to shoot. He actually made a pay didn't make the Golden State Warriors pay. They were just sagging off of him entirely and playing basically, you know, four on five now or forcing New Orleans to do that. It's not going to get it done. That leads to a lot of these issues here that we're seeing. The court spacing just isn't there. Yeah, they were shooting lights out in the month of December, but that's come really uh, back down to earth very hard and New Orleans does not space the court properly in a series like this where they're strong one-on-one defenders and you just don't have easy waltzes into the lane like they had against Portland. That makes running the pick and roll really hard, and you saw that in this one as well, where you saw the Holiday Davis pick and roll, where he dives to the rim, Holiday goes, and you can often get lobs out of it, but they were intent on taking that alley-oop pass away from the Pelicans in this one. And you saw Kevon Looney, who I mentioned in the preview that I did might be kind of a secret weapon for the Warriors in this one, really do a good job of handling Anthony Davis. And when there were switches, and again, both these teams are switching an incredible amount, instead of fighting through any pick, 
pick. They're just like, nah, we got this dude. And when you run a pick and roll, by the way, with Holiday and Davis, and you have Durant on Davis, that's how you end up with Durant on Holiday. New Orleans absolutely needs to set uh, have other guys set screens for Holiday if they want to try and spring him and maybe get a more favorable one-on-one matchup on a switch like that, or no switch, in which case, cool, then let him take the weaker defender that's on him to begin with. Um, that's, again, for tomorrow. But Looney did a good job of being able to switch onto multiple guys and defend multiple positions. He played almost 24 minutes in this one, and that's not really the name of a player that most people know. That's how important he is to what Golden State's trying to do right now. One of the big stories, at least on Twitter during this game, was fouls and the refs and all of that. And you guys know, you hear me do this, I rarely go off on refs. I don't really think they factor in that much. And simply pointing at a free throw disparity number doesn't tell you a story. Stats are great, but you need to put them in some context. And just showing that number does not do that. I'm not going to look at the fourth quarter because we know that's when the Pels were getting a bit more calls. They actually outscored Golden State 27-20 to in this one. But... Uh, in that period, but it was largely out of the, you know, it was done at that point, so no one cares. So free throw disparity was big in the first three quarters. New Orleans went to the line eight times, and the Golden State Warriors went 28 times, so a disparity of 20 there. Yeah, that's big, but in a game that you were down by 31 at one point and looked just absolutely horrible and had, you know, maybe eight blown defensive assignments in one quarter alone in the second, leading to just 16 points right below the basket. I don't know if that's the what you want to point on. It's tidy and easy and maybe makes you sleep better at night about the New Orleans Pelicans getting their asses kicked. But overall, I don't think that really had a big thing to do with it. I did have one guy on Twitter actually make a really good point and then completely kill it. Um, where I've got to try and maybe pull this up. But basically the gist of it was saying, you know, though, while maybe you're right and maybe that, you know, doesn't really factor in as much, it still does affect momentum and different things like that. Um, and, and that's very important when you get on a roll and then a foul call comes and kills your momentum. And I don't know if that's just going to stop it right then and there. Um, you know, that is one of those things that can really play into this. And, you know, the guy goes, it's the Pels have played, have not played well, but it's clear that the league wants to help Golden State. He made a really good point and then killed it with that. Um, So, look, New Orleans hasn't gotten to the line all year long. We know this. We've talked about it. We've lamented it. We've lamented it together. And finally, in the Portland series, you saw Drew Holiday actually trying to draw contact and do some of that. And so I don't think it's a huge surprise that these guys aren't getting foul calls when they're driving because that's not what they do. They don't draw or sell contact a lot of the time. Whether you think that's a good thing or not that they don't sell, it's a different story and a different argument. But they don't really get to the line a ton. It's as simple as that. I think we've learned that. So um, for the Pelicans, you know, it just kind of is what it is. They were 22nd in free throws per field goals attempted during the regular season here. So they're not going to get to the line a lot. That's not what they do. Golden State was going to get there more. They have guys who are better at drawing contact. Durant and some of those guys do it too. So I think that's a factor into it. And there's real other things that you need to look at that really cause New Orleans to lose this game. Again, those backdoor cuts. And that comes from spreading New Orleans out, putting guys all around the three 
three-point line and then having one of them go when the second his defender has his head turned and his back to him. Can't do that. We talked about this on one of the previews where they're going to spread you out and you got to clamp down on him on the perimeter because that three-point shot is scary. But you also need to find a way to get Anthony Davis kind of roving and to be under the rim and to provide rim protection. When Draymond Green's stepping out to the three-point line and pulls AD out with him or Durant uh, does the same thing, you don't get that rim protection and it's not going to work there. That is going to be an issue. They've got to find a way where they can keep AD close to the basket. Maybe that means you give up a Draymond Green three-pointer, dare him to shoot you. He didn't at least shoot well in the San Antonio Spurs series, but doing something to kind of eliminate those backdoor cuts really is going to help New Orleans because that hurt them in this game big time, just the undisciplined defense. And then you need to find some more rotations that are going to work. And against the second unit, at one point, you saw Sean Livingston, Clay Thompson out there with Iggy on the perimeter. And my God, those guys are all 6'7 or higher, or basically 6'6 or higher. New Orleans was trotting out three guards that were 6'4. There was a height mismatch. There was a height disadvantage big time there for New Orleans. And they need to find a way to negate that. Yeah, it doesn't exactly help that some of the guards were in foul trouble, but again, there was a height mismatch there. There were issues, and they need to try and figure this out to try and get this working so that they don't have the same thing happen in Game 2 where Steph Curry's going to be playing. I think we all know this, and now it looks really bad if you're in New Orleans unless you can adjust. But again, adjustments are for, for tomorrow. I've got some fun things we want to talk about with that and really dive into, and we'll see. I'm not a coach, but I have an idea, and I've talked to some of the coaches on the team this uh, past day about what they maybe need to do to try and get back into this series. It's only one game. There's a chance still you can steal game two now all of a sudden you're still looking good to just win out at home we're now underway in the second round of the playoffs and the best way to catch up on all of that is going to be the locked on nba podcast monday through friday make sure you know what's going on around the association you can't watch every single game we do that work for you and tell you what you need to know and of course i host the wednesday edition with john corrales of locked on celtics so make sure you tune into locked on nba Final thing on today's podcast, and this is going to be a little bit different, but it's worth talking about because there was an article over at The Ringer looking at the Pelicans beat and the writers that cover it, and I've got a quote or two in there. Spent some time talking with Brian Curtis in his prep for that article of his, but it focuses a lot on Scott Kushner and Will Guillory. You heard them both on the podcast about a week or so ago where I had them both on in the week. Got to be fair to those guys. And it was fun. We talked everything you want to know about the Pelicans, and it's an interesting look at how this is maybe the smallest, quietest beat for an NBA team and what are some of the reasons behind that we talk a lot about fans and getting the fan base involved and different things like that in here and I think a lot of it still has to do with that print media yeah is in a bit of a decline not a bit it's an obvious decline and it doesn't pay nearly as well as it used to or that it should or what have you but a lot of this is also predicated on what the market wants and the market for a long time hasn't really wanted that much pelicans i can tell you that i've seen some of the numbers at the newspapers on what some of the things come up with and it's kind of surprising and this is driven by market forces you're not going to take have something that's super popular and just not cover it well in a city the, uh, the Saints are all over the place. There's three or four beat writers committed to them for almost each newspaper and TV station and what have you and radio. You, the, There's a market for it, and, t- and these organizations, the media, will spend the money to cover those if it'll generate them more money or if there's a market for it. There just has not been a market for New Orleans Pelicans coverage recently. And this is why the blogs and everything kind of rose up. It's really about eight years ago uh, with Bourbon Street Shots, the Bird Rights, what have you, and all the different places and why some of these 
these people have been able to kind of make a name for themselves in local coverage while you hear me on the every single radio station here in New Orleans and every single TV station in New Orleans and make appearances on um, some more than others. But man, you know, you, you guys know I'm all around the place as one of the top Pelicans experts. Somehow I've convinced people to take me credibly here. But we all do this on the side and we work really hard for it. And that's why, you know, I like supporting a lot of these people and, you know, even Will and Scott with it all. Because, man, it is tiring at times. Doing a daily podcast ain't easy, I can tell you that much. Um, and I'm, re- I'm ready for the off season when it comes down to it. But this is why supporting these local people, even if it is the newspapers, even if it is the TV stations and stuff like that, is so important. The listeners of this podcast, the people who read the science and care about this team, the fans, need to build the marketplace almost more than the team needs to, although maybe it is the team's main job, or more so than the media needs to. You guys got to tell your friends about the podcast, about the science you read, and get people involved and into it. And when there's a large enough demand, you will see people covering the team like you guys want. I know a lot of people hate outside New Orleans media talking about this team because they don't think it's as accurate or what have you, but it doesn't matter. That's going to be the case for every single market out there, and I don't want to go hugely into this today. Um, So support just local media. Promote those guys up. I ignore all that stuff. If there's a guy I don't like, I don't read his work ever, and I don't care if he puts something out there. This isn't where just disinformation gets out there and then people believe it to be true because you know what? That doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if someone thinks Anthony Davis is going to leave or not because he's not going to. And as a fan, it doesn't affect you whatsoever. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make your favorite player, the superstar of this team, leave at all. So tune it out. And instead, retweet and promote good quality work from people that you like, whether they're local or not local. That's what I've been trying to do this year. And I hate getting bogged down in the negativity of everything. But you see an article you like? Put it out there, send it to your friends, as opposed to just taking shots at people online, which amounts almost to more bullying than criticism whatsoever, if you're not really kind of getting into it and you're just going to say, well, this is a stupid thing to say. That's useless criticism that we don't need here, and it does more to harm the look of New Orleans to the outside markets, and I can tell you that from talking with these people, than it does to really help anything else or kind of shoot down these these national narratives that you don't like, because clearly they keep coming up. So read the article over at The Ringer. Again, it, it's got me in there. It's got Kushner in there. It's got Will Guillory. Take you know a moment to appreciate what those guys do. Don't worry about me. This is fine. I like doing this on the side, and it's fun. But those guys are the ones hauling ass daily, and it is not an easy thing to do for what they're doing and for what the market is and the pay and all of that. So those guys do a tremendous job and I just like that they get a moment of recognition for all of this. Both former Tulane beat writers too which is kind of cool as well. So make sure you check out that article over at The Ringer. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Unfortunate result in game one but guess what? Game two is coming up tomorrow night. We'll have the preview pod up tomorrow as well as what adjustments the Pelicans might need to make. Maybe what you'll look for them to do in this game it's going to be a lot of fun and hey it's still the playoffs second round just being in it is cool the pals are playing with a little bit of house money in this one so maybe they'll be able to get it done so thank you all for listening as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter i'll be back with you all tomorrow